Please turn to Acts 3, 14 and 15. Acts 3, 14 and 15. We've been studying uh, the names of Christ and the attributes of Christ for the past several months. And today we come to the subject of Christ, the Prince of Life. Acts 3, 14 and 15. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. The statement in verse 15 of this text speaks of the two greatest events in human history. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross in the phrase, ye killed the prince of life, and two, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, in the phrase, whom God raised from the dead. In this passage, Peter was preaching to a crowd that had gathered in Solomon's porch in the temple after Peter and John had healed the lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple. Peter did not mince words. He confronted his hearers with their guilt in crucifying their Messiah. He did not flatter his hearers. Instead, he declared that they had killed the Prince of Life. Well, this was certainly true, and it was important that they be confronted with this fact. This was a striking and shocking statement. Ye killed the Prince of Life. In verse 15, Peter contrasts the Prince of Life with Barabbas, a murderer who destroyed life. He does this in verse 14. And so there is an antithesis here between the giver of life and one who was a destroyer of life. Peter tells these Jews that they had rejected the prince of life in favor of a murderer. They preferred a murderer not only to a just and innocent man, but to the prince of life himself. Well, in our study this morning, I'm going to ask and try to answer from the Scriptures three questions. First of all, who is the prince of life? Secondly, what is the meaning of the life mentioned here? And thirdly, what does all this mean to you and me? So first, let's look at the question, who is the prince of life? But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Now one of the things that Peter is doing here is telling the Jews who the person was whom they had crucified. And he says it was the prince of life. A.W. Pink in his great commentary on Hebrews says that the prince of life is one of more than 300 titles given to the Lord Jesus in the Scriptures, each one having its own meaning 
and preciousness. <clears throat> the prince of life, uh, unquote. The prince of life is a title that speaks of the special character in which the Savior is considered here. The prince of life. Rarely is this title preached on today, but it is one of the Lord's famous titles. Now the Greek word that's translated prince here is the word archegos. And it's used four times in the New Testament. The various translations of this word relate different aspects of its meaning. So I want us to look at these here. In our text in verse 15 and in Acts 5.31, this word is translated prince. Look at Acts 5.31 here. Peter is speaking of Christ in Acts 5.31. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now look at Hebrews 2.10. Hebrews chapter 2. And verse 10. This same word is translated captain here. And it means chief leader. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain, there's the word archegos, of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Jesus Christ is the captain or chief leader of our salvation. And according to our text in Acts 3, he is the captain or chief leader of life. Now, the fourth time the New Testament uses this word is in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. So let's turn to that. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Here... The same word is translated author. Looking unto Jesus, the author, that's archegos, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus Christ is the author or originator of our faith and he is the author or originator of life. Jesus Christ is the prince, the captain, the author of life because he has life in himself. Jesus Christ is not only the living God, he is life. And this life is maintained by nothing outside of himself. Turn to John 5.26 here. John 5, verse 26. His life is within him, or he is life, not dependent on anything else outside of himself. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Life. And this is a title that belonged to Christ
before he was crucified. Because Peter says, they killed the prince of life. They killed the prince, the captain, the author of life. And even when he had been killed, he was still the prince of life. This title calls attention to and emphasizes the dignity and glory of our Savior. No one can share this title with Christ. And no one can take it away from Him. He alone is the Prince of Life. Charles Spurgeon said, In the realm of life, He is the Prince, but we are only subjects. Well, this brings us to the second question I want to try to answer here. What is the meaning of life here? Life here speaks of life in the fullest sense of the word. Jesus Christ is the prince, the author of life in its fullest sense. He is the author of physical life or natural life. He is the author of spiritual life. And he is the author of eternal life. First of all, Jesus Christ is the prince of physical life. The relation of life to killed in verse 15 of our text shows that physical life is certainly included in the idea of life here. And killed the prince of life. Christ is truly the creator of all things, especially of life. Turn to John 1, 3, and 4. John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This speaks of Christ as the Word of God. All things were made by Him, the Word, by Christ. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, certainly... Physical life is included here in the life that we're talking about. Uh, I'm amazed that I think of how much life there is, physical life, on this earth. The earth teems with physical or natural life. Living creatures are everywhere. In the jungles, in the oceans, in the streams, in the rivers, in your house and mine. Every drop of water swarms with life. If you've ever looked at a drop of pond water under a microscope, you know what I'm talking about. It just looks like a plain drop of water, but you turn that thing on and, man, there's so much stuff swimming around in there. We walked out into a sugarcane field one time near the city of Bauru, Brazil. And there we saw and actually took pictures of some busy little ants that were cutting off pieces of sugarcane leaves and carrying them back to their nest a long way. Leaf cutter ants. And those pieces were about the size of my little fingernail. There are literally billions of insects in this world. Uh, 
just sit out on your deck at night or on your porch. The bats in Carlsbad Caverns literally, according to scientific studies, eat their own weight in insects every night. Now think about that. And yet this doesn't make a dent in the insect population in this world. Well, out there in Gore Springs on our acreage, uh, we go out and sit down on the porch or on the deck and we see chameleons and skinks and crows and spiders and no and snakes and ants and uh, carpenter bees and hummingbirds and grubs and on and on and on we could go. Of all this numerous and varied life, Jesus Christ is the prince. He calls them into existence and he dismisses them to make room for their successors. All life proceeds from Him. And by Him, all things consist. You and I are here and alive this very moment because all life consists in Him. It is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Life, who sustains and maintains all physical life. It is He in whom we live and move and have our being, as Paul says, in Acts 17.28. It is He in whose hand is our bread. Christ the Prince of Life raised Lazarus to life again. All He had to do was just say a word to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And He proved that He is the source of life. A terrible aggravation of the murder of the Lord Jesus by those to whom Peter spoke in this text was that he whom they deprived of life was himself the one who gives life and sustains life. Now they didn't overcome his deity there. It was part of the plan that he had to die. Part of the covenant. But he remained the prince of life. Christ the prince of life had the right, the authority, and the power to dispose of his own life. He could lay down his life for us, and he could take it again. In speaking of his own life, turn to John 10:18, where the Lord Jesus is speaking. John 10, verse 18. He's speaking of his own life. And he says here, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. You know what? This is certainly not the case with us. We cannot dispose of our lives like this. Though he was the Lord of life, he could die, and yet have such power as to rise to life again. Those who crucified Him thought that by killing Him they had destroyed Him. But He came back to life. He resumed possession of His life at His own will. We could never do that. 
he resumed his life and in doing so was declared to be the Son of God with power. Paul says in Romans 1, 3, and 4. Let's read that. Romans 1, 3, and 4. He resumed his life. And by doing this, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ lives. Jesus Christ is God, and thus He must live forever. He cannot cease to live. I am He that liveth, the Lord says in Revelation 1.18. That's present tense. Wherever you read it, it's always true. A thousand years from now, if we read that verse, He says, I am He that liveth, it'll still be true. Everything else may pass away, but Jesus Christ must live because He is the Prince of life. All of God's people can say with Job in Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Present tense. Don't show me your crucifixes. My Christ, the Christ of the Bible, is not a dead Christ. He is the Prince of life. A dead Christ would mean a dead gospel. What would I be able to preach if Christ had not risen from the dead? The Christ of the Bible is the living Christ. The Prince of Life. This title is still His right now because this very moment He is ever living to make intercession for us according to Hebrews 7.25. Let's read that verse. Hebrews 7. 25. It's talking about Christ. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing or because he ever liveth, present tense, to make intercession for them. The Prince of Life. When Christ returns, He will be known by this title because He shall raise the dead. The hour is coming when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. The Lord Jesus says in John 5.25. Someone else has said that the keys of death hang on the belt of the Prince of Life. And someday he's going to take those keys and open the prison house of death and release all the prisoners to life again. At the resurrection, the Prince of Life will quicken the billions of bodies that have died through the ages. The day will come when Christ will prove his life-giving power on a grand worldwide scale 
by causing the resurrection of the dead. Who but Christ, the Prince of Life, could release this vast multitude from their centuries-long prison? You know, do you ever meditate on what a great miracle the resurrection is and will be? Lindy and I have tramped through many cemeteries in our tracing of our family roots. And we've gone to these places out here, many of them not far from here, uh, where people were buried back before and during and after the war between the states. And there are not even any gravestones there anymore. But we know those people are out there. Their bodies are. And won't it be an amazing thing uh, to whatever cemetery your body's in to stand up and look out there and see other people coming out of the graves. The Prince of Life says in John eleven twenty five, I am the life. Let's look at that. He, uh, John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So yes, Christ is the prince of physical life. But he's also the prince of spiritual life. Doctors and scientists generally agree that there are three kinds of life. There's vegetable life, animal life and mental life but from a biblical perspective spiritual life is higher than all of these Jesus Christ is the prince the author the captain of spiritual life the Lord Jesus is speaking of this spiritual life when he says in John 14 6 I am the life let's look at that you're still there in John probably. Look at 14.6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is talking about spiritual life. There is no spiritual life of which Christ is not the author. It's only by Christ's almighty power that those who are dead in trespasses and sins can hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Jesus Christ is the author of a spiritual resurrection from the dead, from the death of sin to a life of grace. When we deal with souls concerning salvation, we soon see our own inability. It's not in our power to create life. I think some preachers believe it is. It's not in our power to create life. This is the prerogative of the Son of God only. Our preaching is vain unless Jesus Christ gives life to the hearers. Without the life-giving Christ, our preaching is just a matter of the dead burying the dead. Paul is talking about Christ, the prince of spiritual life, 
in 1 Corinthians 15.45 when he says that physical life came to the first Adam but spiritual life is given by the second Adam. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15.45. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, as he called Lazarus, and made him live by his own supreme power, so he can quicken the dead sinner to spiritual life. Earlier we read John 5.25 where the Lord Jesus said that the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. And in that he was speaking both of physical and spiritual life. I wonder if you know anything about being quickened from the death in which you had lain in trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ came that men might have life, spiritual life, and that they might have it more abundantly. If we eat Christ with our food and drink Him with our water and breathe Him with our air, then life is blessed in a way that the world just can't understand. Christ is the prince of spiritual life. Paul is talking about the same thing when he says in Colossians 3, 4 that Christ is our life. Well, thirdly, Christ is also the prince, the author, the captain of eternal life. Now, it's not really possible to separate spiritual and eternal life, but there is a distinction between the two. Christ had procured, he has already procured eternal life for his people. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.10 that the prince of life abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The prince of life gives eternal life to his people. Turn to John 10, 28. <clears throat> John 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The Prince of Life has power to give eternal life to as many as the Father has given him in election. Look at John 17, 2 here. John 17, verse 2. He's speaking of himself. As thou, Father, hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He has the power to save every one of God's elect. To give spiritual life to them. So, Jesus Christ is eternal life. He doesn't just give it. He is eternal life. 
Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> John is speaking of Christ here. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. He's obviously talking about the person of Christ, but he says, he calls him the life, because he is the life. The last part of 1 John 5.20, turn over a couple of pages there, the last part of 1 John 5.20 speaks of His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.11, go back a few verses, speaks of eternal life, and this life is in His Son. To know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Life, is eternal life. Look at John 17, 3. It's interesting how much John has to say about all of this. John 17 and verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. This is life eternal, whom Thou hast sent. Now look at what the Lord says in John 3.15. John 3 and verse 15. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Those who have the Prince of Life have eternal life. If you're here without Christ today, look to Him and begin the life that never ends. Those who reject Him will never have the joy of living and reigning with Him in the future. Well, that brings us to the final question I want to try to answer today. What does all this mean to you and me? Five things, very quickly. First of all, it reveals to us some of the greatness and glory of the Lord Jesus. Consider how great this Prince of Life is. Think how glorious the last Adam who to all the billions throughout history will at the resurrection be a quickening spirit. You know, the Lord's going to not only, not only raise the saved from the dead, but someday He's going to raise the lost as well. Let us glorify Him as the Prince of Life. What does this mean to you and me? Secondly, it reveals to us how terrible sin is. Look at verse 15 of our text in Acts 3. Verse 15. Peter says here, You've killed the Prince of Life, murdering Christ the Prince of Life is the ultimate human sin. You preserved a murderer, Peter says, a destroyer of life, and you destroyed the Savior, 
the author of life. What a terrible thing sin is. It led men to crucify the prince of life. What does all this mean to you and me? Thirdly, it reveals to us the condescension of Jesus Christ in dying on the cross. How could it be that the prince of life should die? What incomprehensible condescension that he, being the prince of life, would stoop to die. What does this mean to you and me? Fourthly, it reveals to us that all spiritual and eternal life comes from Christ. All life is in Christ, comes from Him, and is sustained by Him. We cannot give ourselves physical life, and we cannot give ourselves spiritual life. Yet multitudes today are under the delusion that they can give themselves spiritual life any time they will. All they have to do is just accept Jesus as their personal Savior. The truth is, no one but Christ can give life to men, but He can give it abundantly. What does this mean to you and me? Fifthly, it should cause us to rejoice with great joy. Rejoice, Christian. Jesus Christ lives. He will die no more. And there is life in Him. Physical, spiritual, and eternal life. Rejoice. Rejoice. Now let me ask you this. What is your relationship to the Prince of Life? Do you know Him? Is He alive to you? Do you live by Him? Or are you still dead in sin? Have you received spiritual and eternal life from Jesus Christ? Do you want it? Does your heart desire to possess it? Jesus Christ is your sole hope of spiritual and eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, says 1 John 5.12. So if you're here today and you're a lost sinner, listen to the promise of the Prince of Life in Revelation 21.6. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we're grateful for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Life. We're thankful that the spiritual and eternal life that He has given to us who know Him. We pray that if there be one here today that does not know the Prince of Life, that Your Holy Spirit would quicken them, that they might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's holy name and for His sake. Amen. Next time, the Lord willing, we'll look at Christ the Judge in John 5.22.